Welcome to the Contractor Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Phillips. This show exists to help small business owners like you escape the tyranny of contractor prison and enter the bliss of contractor freedom so you can have the time, money, and freedom to live your life with purpose beyond your business. As a certified human behavior consultant in disc personality styles and motivators, I'll be sharing with you skills for life, love, leadership, and business. I'll also be connecting you with experts that can help you scale your business and your life. So if you want to build the business and life of your dreams, then you are in the right place. Let's go. Hello, contractors. Welcome to the show today. We've got a very special show for you. And right here with me, we have Mr. Daniel Honan of Bookkeeping for Painters. And Daniel spoke at our Contractor Freedom Summit and just delivered, a, a, I'm just going to say, a pile of knowledge that I think was really eye-opening toward for so many of the contractors. Now, Daniel, he's, he is, by the way, he is a former business owner and military intelligence officer. I don't know if we might have to get into that or not. He has an MBA, a degree in accounting, and he used, he, he used to run, do cold calling appointments, manage crews, run payroll. And with just all of that experience, he's created this back end for painters to help save them time and money by just running an efficient business and allowing you to focus on the on the sales and production side. Daniel, I just want to say thank you so much. Welcome to the show, man. And I'm glad you're glad you're here with us today. And so let's get into it. But man, tell us a couple things. Where are you right now? And what is what is bookkeeping for painters? And what made you start the company? Yeah, thanks, Jason. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Excited to be here. And right now I'm in Nicaragua. That's where I'm I, I work out of doing some advanced tax strategies we can get into maybe, but no, I'm really passionate about helping painting business owners and closely related trades know their numbers and what they mean. And I've been in their shoes. I've had to run a painting business and it. It was chaos, for, at least for me. Trying That was my first business I ever ran in, and I did it in college. And I definitely didn't have you know, a, a good grasp on my numbers and what they meant. So I, I definitely felt that that pain of not knowing how much money do I have? Can I afford things? What are my margins? Am I doing good or not? I try to, to help folks get a, get clarity in their business so they can make decisions to get their business to the next level. And then we also, along with that, once they get nice and profitable, we try to help them solve the, the issue of taxes. Because if you hit any level of success in your business, your biggest expense is going to be taxes. So we try to, to help them protect their profits through proactive tax planning. So when you say, Daniel, when you say know your numbers, can we talk about what that means? Because there's so many different types of numbers. And when you say know your numbers, what are you referring to? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a, it's, it's a big one. There are many you could go with. I, I like to start with gross profit. That's that's an important number, maybe the most important, because if you don't have your gross profit down, and, and just to define what that is, gross profit is your revenue, what you've produced in, in revenue, minus any direct costs, so that would be gross, I'm sorry, any direct costs, so that would be direct labor, so painters on the, on the job site, minus any direct materials, like paint or sundries, subtract that out, and what's left over is gross profit. I, I also like to say gross profit percentage, and, and that means gross profit divided by your revenue that gives you a percentage typically what we see on average the average painting business does 40 percent gross profit now obviously folks are probably not shooting to be average and there's there's definitely folks that uh, can do a lot better than that definitely recommend doing better than that but it, it helps to know that number out the gate knowing that number, where do you stand on your gross profit? Because that's going to tell you, give me an indication of what your overall profitability is. 
Because if you're hitting 40% gross profit, your, your profitability is probably not doing that great. You're probably average profitability. Uh, and then that tells me about your pricing. Are you pricing on target? It tells me maybe a little bit about how efficient your crews are on the job. So it just gives a lot of indications of, of how you're doing. And a lot of folks starting out, the probably the biggest problem I see is the pricing. And so gross profit gives me a good indicator of whether they have their pricing. Yeah, so we, when you become, a, let's just say you grow in your sophistication or your business skills, then you're going to start raising that pricing and you're going to, you're going to want, you're going to want to earn more ROI on that input. Right. So, you know, the, and just for clarity, I know you and I know this, but for our listeners, when you speak, when we speak revenue, we're talking, we're talking on finished product. We're not saying contracted sales or we got the deposit. It's, Hey, we finished the job and we got paid on it. And that's revenue just for clarification on, on our end. Of course we track contracted sales. We've got all kinds of sales goals, but we we call them confetti because it's not real until it's until all promises. What we say is final. We say all promises have been delivered in both directions. And that means we have delivered the project. We've also delivered the touch up paint or any other little loose ends. And then the customer has delivered their promise of final payment to us. So when we say final at our company, it means something very specific. And that's what we track as as revenue. So we we track. We actually have a dual entry system our CRM and our and our QuickBooks, but it also provides some checks and balances for us as well. We actually like it that way. So a after gross profit, what would obviously, hey, I know my I know whether good or bad, I know my gross profit day in, day out, per job, per week, per month. What would you say is the next number that we should be aware of? That that would I would say your discretionary earnings or another way to say it is cash flow to owner. Basically how much money are you taking home as the business owner? Now that's obviously important because because your business should be helping you live a great life and provide for your family and the greater communities. You need to be making money, not only for yourself, but also for the business so you can grow and hire new folks to help you out and all that good stuff. So discretionary earnings, cash flow to owner, basically whatever you're getting out of the business going to you, the average painting business owner is making somewhere around 12 to 15% discretionary earnings or cash flow to owner. And a common question I get is, how much should I be making? That's the average, but how much should I actually be making? And I usually ask them back the question of, okay, what are you doing in your business? What roles do you perform in your business? Because what roles you perform should uh, tell you, give me an idea of how much you should be making. The first one is you're probably the business owner, right? Right off the bat, you should be getting, you should aim to get 15% of revenue going to you as the business owner, um, assuming you're completely passive in the business. If you have the business running you have a team running it, you should be getting 15 passively at income basically. After everything is paid, your team's paid all overhead and supplies and everything. What's left over is now, most of us are probably still working in, the, in our businesses. A lot of folks are still doing sales. So if you're doing, if you're performing that sales role, you should be tacked on another eight to 10% going to you if you're selling everything. Uh, so that would that 15 goes up to 25% discretionary earnings. And then some folks might also be doing production management as well. Maybe they're selling everything and they're also producing it. So if that's the case, you tag on another five to 7%. So that gets us to 30% or so. And you can keep doing that. But basically, so if you're to answer the question of how much money should I be making my business is basically what rules you perform, add up the percentages of revenue to get what, what I, your target discretionary earnings. So that would be the, the next number that I would, would look at um, and, and flesh out. One of the, the things folks. that guys could do, guys and gals, could do is 
just start by breaking up their paycheck according to payroll item. Hey, I sold this many projects. So this is my, okay, so I've got my salary line. I've got my sales commission and my project my project-based commission, production management commission, or whatever pay, and start breaking those out. That way, when you hire that first person or that next, make create that new position, you're not having to figure that stuff out later. I think that would be a, a great way. Mm -hmm. Do you ever help people do that? Yeah, absolutely. That That's also the benefit of thinking of it thinking of it this way, because if you're, let's say you're doing 500K in revenue, you're probably doing sales, you're probably doing production management, and you're probably thinking, man, I, I could really use some help in a little bit. So how much should I pay my production manager I wanna bring on? So that kind of helps you understand is if you're breaking it out already, you know that your production manager should get five to 7% of whatever they produce, then if you're, like you said, breaking it out on your profit and loss already, you can see it in your financial report. report so you have an idea of how to how that's gonna impact your pay, your discretionary earnings when you hire a new, new person, you have to make room for them obviously, but that will help you grow the business more, hopefully focused on marketing and sales in this case. So yes, th that would definitely be useful. And it's just a matter of then from there coming up with a compensation package for that production manager so that they're aligned with you. The, they're incentivized to to do what you need them to do. I, a lot of the contractors are at a place that, that I was at once where I was making really good money, but I was bankrupt on time. And matter of fact, I was just speaking to a guy the other day and he was he's doing right around half a million a year in revenue. And he said, Jason, he said, this is the business I, I prayed for. He said, but I can't get away from my phone. I'm constantly fielding calls from this guy and that crew. And he said, it's driving me nuts. And so at some point you've got to start buying your time back right? And we can always make more money, but we can't make more time, but we can free up our time by delegating roles and responsibilities to other people and having your financial, your books set up in a way to where it, you, it helps you make solid financial decisions. And I, if we were to take a poll right now, how many contractors are measuring their cash flow by how much money's in their bank account? And I'm just going to say, far too many. And you probably run into it every all the time, Daniel. But okay, so let me ask you this. If let's just say that we've got some listeners and they're like, wow, I know I need this. I need, I need to know more about, about running books, about how to make sound financial decisions. Is that something that you just make a phone call, set up a consultation because you guys can get backend accountant access to QuickBooks. Can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's in QuickBooks online. There's a way you can invite an accountant in and we can take a look at what we often do is diagnostic reviews, which is basically what's the status of your books right now? Because some folks that come in and they're either doing the books themselves or have family member or friend doing the books. So you want to make sure you're working off of good data. And so we'll do a complimentary diagnostic complimentary? review just to see, make sure you're Wow, guys, if you yes. are not set up, if you're using the default chart of accounts or you're not using QuickBooks at all, you've got, to, you've got to take Daniel up on this and get a complimentary, what did you call it, a diagnosis? No, what'd you call it? Diagnostic, yeah. It, diagnostic wow. review. We'll go through and just basically say, okay, this this needs to be looked at, like this chart of account, it's, we'll often pull the balance sheet and, and go line by line and, and see identify any issues and say, okay, here's how you can fix it. And either yourself or obviously we can fix it for you as well. But just so you have a good idea, stand one, with that. One thing that you really don't want to play with, guys, is you don't want to get behind on your payroll taxes because uh, the IRS is not very merciful. So there's a lot of businesses that go 
that really go out of business, but you, you can't file bankruptcy and get off of the IRS. Okay, you're going to owe that money. So if, yeah. if you don't have a, pack, a, a, a payroll service, and I believe you guys do that as, as well, don't you, Daniel? Yes, we can run payroll for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you're completely right. Like the IRS is not someone you want to mess with. Uh, unfortunately, we do see a lot of, not necessarily our clients, but folks coming to us with issues and we're just hearing about it. I'm, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think a Connecticut painting contractor just got put in jail because he was not re- reporting. He was basically taking cash from customers and, and not reporting on his income tax return. So he's pocketing cash and not reporting that. So that's tax fraud, which is, you know, get thrown in, in a cage for that, unfortunately. That, yeah, payroll taxes is a big one for sure. It's, if you, especially if you're running... QuickBooks Online, yourself running that payroll yourself and, and paying those manually. Yeah, it, it's easy to get behind on those. And then that's not fun to have the IRS put a lien on your, your bank account and start pulling money out of it because you owe the money. Definitely something you don't want to mess with. You get, get his help as soon as possible when, you, when you're when so IRS issues. So many business owners sure. that I meet are admittedly terrible with details and they hate paperwork. And so my, my suggestion is why not hire someone to do it and someone that loves it, someone who's good at it, someone you can depend on. And then you don't have to do that. They just need to give you the data so that you can make the right decisions. So that's, I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent. And like I told the guys at the summit of Daniel, where, where were you when I, when I started my company and a lot, someone chimes out from the audience, he wasn't born yet. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's true that in business, we think we start out and we're like, we can do it all. We're going to do it all. This, we've got this bravado, but we can't do everything all at the same time. And being an expert at different things is just, you can't be an expert at everything. You can't cover all the bases whether it's bookkeeping for painters or someone else, you've got to have your books be, you've got to have them be right. You've got to have things be done timely and you need to be able to count on those reports. If you're going to run your business, are you just going to run your business based on the balance in your checking account and decide what you're going to buy, whether it's the new truck or the new spray rig or take, throw a party just based on what is in what's in your checking account. That is a terrible way to run your business. And if you're doing that, chances are you will, as long as you're doing that, you're going to be in contractor prison. And so someone like Daniel can help you with a financial plan to get you into contractor freedom and have a confidence. So many guys, they have this, when we start talking about, I say guys, I'm talking guys and gals, that you can just see their face, their countenance. When you start talking about these type of things, you can tell it's an uncomfortable conversation. But when you have a trusted advisor and trusted books, then you can make sound financial decisions and you can have confidence. So I want you to think about wherever you're at right now and then what it could be like when you have complete confidence in knowing and knowing what the truth is. Because all progress starts with knowing the truth. Excuse me there. Daniel, let's talk about this big nebulous thing called overhead. Tell us what overhead is and a little about it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We talked about gross profit and direct costs, or people often refer to a cost of goods sold or COGS. If you hear someone say COGS, it's direct job site costs. So basically anything that's not directly used on the job site, it's not your painters, it's not your paints or sundries, it's probably an overhead cost. So this could be things like your marketing costs, your insurance, paying someone to do your books or your taxes, all those items that don't apply to a specific job, but they help run the business overall. So that's your overhead. And 
to continue the, the example we talked about, if you're doing 500,000, if you have a 50% gross profit margin, maybe you're shooting for 50% and you are the sales and, and production manager and you're the business owner. So you're taking 30 home. So that leaves 20% left to, to pay your overhead costs. Most of those overhead costs are going to be, or I would say a good portion of them will be marketing. So usually folks are spending between five and 15% of revenue towards getting more customers. So if you have 20% left over, maybe you're spending half of that on marketing. Then the other half will be, you know, your accounting, your accounting costs is usually one to 3%. Your automobile, your, the cost to, to go out and for fuel and maintenance on, on the vehicles, that's going to be a percentage point or two. Then you have insurance and, and then your software, like maybe your years, you have paint scout or estimate rocket or something like that. So all those little things add up to the river. Daniel, head. at the summit, when you spoke, one of the slides in your presentation showed an income statement for different sample size companies and what those could look like for gross profit, advertising. You had it all broken out. Is that something that we could maybe post alongside this or is that downloadable somewhere? Because there was yes, a lot of talk absolutely. about that. And I think that could be valuable. That the way the contractors could use that to compare to their business. Say, hey, where do I, where am I currently at? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'll definitely give you a link okay, to, great. We'll to share put that. that. We'll put yeah, that absolutely. in the in the description with, with this episode. It's just, nobody really trains us how to run this business. And like Daniel, you're like, hey, the first business I ran, right? You learn a lot and you make a lot of mistakes. And a lot of people are still on their first business. And I'm on my, this is the only business that I've ever owned is my home improvement company and the only official business. I technically, I ran a business in elementary school, renting mechanical pencils to my, to my classmates until the principal <laughs> shut me down and told me that I couldn't run a business in school. That I was shut down. I was uh, rather uh, heartbroken, but we don't get a lot of instruction on how to run these businesses and having resources. Like most of the people listening to this episode are going to be painting contractors and so we think about the PCA standards on how we should paint a house, the millage, the prep, the, the imperfections, how far away we need to be in order to judge imperfections. All of those things, the painters and the business owners, they know these things, but do they know the basic financial principles? And one of the big questions is that, that I hear all the time is, Jason, when's the right time to hire a salesperson or hire a project manager? When's the right time? How do I compensate them? How do we, can I afford this? And looking at, I just, what I've always done is just gone through a basic formula and look at contribution profit. How much new, more revenue do I need to produce? And when you start looking at that, it really becomes, you end up saying, wow, this is a no brainer. I should have done this like months ago. Why did I wait so long? But again, you have to be able to put things in those financial terms to make them make financial sense. And, and again, sometimes, sometimes it's not about the money. Sometimes it's about the time. If your business is eating your time and eating your family away, we've well, got to do something. It's really not about the money, but it sure is nice when you can have time and money and be free to, as we say, live your life with greater freedom and purpose. Let's switch subjects mm -hmm. for a second and let's talk about taxes and how can we ethically minimize our tax burden as opposed to the guy you just mentioned who went to jail 
or not reporting taxes. And I'm not a fan of that. I think we yeah. should pay every penny we owe, but we shouldn't pay a penny a penny more than we owe either. So what are some, where would you start with that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's many ways to save on taxes and it is something that you can take control over. You do have a lot of control over how much you pay in taxes. And it might not seem like it. A lot of folks just feel taxes is something that happens to, happens to them. But especially as a business owner, you do have a lot more control over how much tax you pay. Where I would start would be basically what type of entity are you and how is it being taxed as a starting point? Most folks, when they start their business, they are a sole proprietor or maybe an LLC taxed, disregarded for tax purposes, meaning that they're taxed on their personal return. So that sole proprietor is taxed on the Schedule C on your personal tax return and or an LLC disregarded entity is taxed on your personal return. And the challenge with this is there's a lot of self-employment taxes that you'll pay, <clears throat> especially once you get over uh, 50 or 60,000 in, in profit, bottom line profit, start paying a lot of self-employment taxes because every dollar as a sole proprietor or, or as an LLC discredited entity, you're having, having to pay 15.3% self-employment taxes. And then on top of that, your tax bracket, it adds up pretty fast. So that would be the first place I'd look based off your profitability. Would it make sense to being taxed as something else, maybe an S corp? It doesn't make sense for every single person, every situation, but that would be the first thing we'd look at because simply by changing how your tax can save you tens of thousands of dollars per year. So we've had folks that they're running a million dollar painting business and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in profit, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars in profit. And they're still taxed as a on their personal return. And so they're having to pay tens of thousands of dollars in, in self-employment taxes. And all we had to do is just let the IRS know, hey, tax this LLC as an S corp moving forward. And that saved them tens of thousands of dollars. So that would be the first place is your how you're being so taxed. So we can't just set it and forget it. Okay, we're going to set our company up and we're always going to run it this way. What I hear you saying is that as profitability and times change and the makeup of your company, you might need to switch the way you're doing things so that you can save money. Isn't that nuts, guys, to think that just because you didn't report to the IRS or tell the IRS that you're making a switch, you're wasting tens of thousands of dollars a year in taxes that you wouldn't have to pay if you just were better equipped to play a winning game. Think about that. And all it takes is a conversation. Okay, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of small business owners tend to mix their personal and business spending together. And uh, what what do you recommend there? Yeah, for tax purposes, there's uh, for tax planning purposes, you can use that to your advantage. You're going to have personal expenses that are business related. But the thing is, you want to make sure you're getting reimbursed for that. So to, to, to more directly answer your question is you always want to keep think, things separate. You want to have a business bank account. You want to have a personal bank account. And that's for more legal purposes, but also just for clarity, like what's going on in the business versus what's going on, on the personal side. You want to keep those separate. But you do, there's going to be times where you, you will have to use personal funds for business purposes. So in those cases, you want to make sure that you're getting reimbursed and, and getting tax deductions for those times. So a very common one that comes up is a home office deduction. So you are more than likely working from home as a painting business owner doing admin tasks every day or most days on a computer somewhere in your house. So home office deduction, if you're using that area exclusively and regularly for business, you can get a tax deduction for that either as a sole proprietor or as an S corp, there's different ways to go about it. But bottom line is that you should be getting the, the uh, a portion of your either mortgage interest, uh, utilities or your rent, whatever the circ circumstances, a portion of that um, can be deductible. Again, if it's used regularly and exclusively for the business, 
you can get a tax deduction for that. Or maybe a personal use of a cell phone for business purposes. In certain cases, you could get that reimbursed from the business and that would be a tax deduction to you. And another common one is personal or a business use of a personal vehicle. So a lot of folks are using their personal truck to go to estimates. And so they're racking up a bunch of miles for business. So another key thing is to make sure those business miles are getting you tax deductions. And that can be huge, hundreds or thousands of dollars. So there's a lot of those that crossover between business and personal where, yeah, you got to keep them separate, but sometimes you do need to use personal assets or personal money for business purposes. And you just need to make sure you're tracking that and getting properly deducted against your taxes. So you're lowering your taxes as much as possible. So contractors see, listen, imagine that it's, imagine that it's December 31st and maybe it's been a, maybe it's been a pretty successful year, but you look back and you're like, well, if I would have done this, I would have saved this many thousands. If I would have filed right, if I would have had all of these deductions done, that literally could be at that moment equivalent to tens of thousands of dollars additional in your pocket. But instead, they're going to the IRS because you didn't take advantage of the deductions that are made available to you. And it's really not rocket science. Once you have someone who speaks this language and can help you collect the right data and they can put it on the tax forms uh, like Daniel, then that money's going to be in your pocket. It's, this is a no brainer. And if this is an area of discomfort for you, you've just got to smash that fear in the face. You got to make a connection. And I promise you, you're going to feel so empowered when you start doing this. And it's not like you got to jump through a lot of hoops to make all this stuff happen. You really don't. It's not that difficult. It's only scary and difficult because it's nebulous. It's unknown. And then once, once you have a conversation about it and someone shines some light on it for you, you're like, oh, wow, that's not that bad. Yeah, I can do this. It's really that simple. One of the things that I saw on your website is uh, you help with advanced tax strategies. What does that look like? Yeah, so we always start with the blocking and tackling, like the basics, what we talked about, because often there's thousands of dollars to be saved. Now you can get more advanced as you've taken care of those basics. You can look at more advanced things. So some more advanced things I, I think would be like starting a retirement plan in your business. So the reason why you may, maybe want to do this is one, if you want to save for retirement for your future, for your family, and also get a dual purpose and, and lower your taxes in the current year, you could start a retirement plan. So there's different types of retirement plans that you could do like a 401k or a simple IRA or a SEP IRA. And depending on your situation, one of those might make sense depending on where you are in your business, how much you, are you going to save for retirement? But implementing something like that could be beneficial to you to save for the future, but also lower your tax bill in the current year. And then also maybe even be an, an additional benefit to your employees by offering a retirement plan. And these retirement plans can be range from very inexpensive to very to, to somewhat expensive. Uh, 401k being usually the most expensive because of the compliance you got to do, but you don't have to start there. If, you, if you're a smaller business, maybe you want to do a, a, a SEP IRA or a simple IRA or something like that. So that would be more, more advanced tax planning. Another one might be something like hiring your children. So if you have children and they, they're of working age, over seven is usually most state laws. You can start employing your kids. So you could have them do 
a simple task in your business, mail stuffing mailers, writing thank you cards, <laughs> depending on the age, find some age suitable jobs for them in your business. And then the idea here would be to pay them through payroll. And that would be a tax deduction to the business. The child would get it tax free up to a certain point, 13,000, about $13,000 because they have a standard deduction. Um, so basically, it, as long as they're not making more than $13,000 in a year, which they're probably not if they're doing this part time for you while they're in school, um, <clears throat> they're going to get it tax free to them. You run it through payroll. It's a tax deduction to you. You do have to pay payroll taxes, but they get it tax free. You could even do something where you start a, a family management, a separate business, like a family management business where you have a separate entity with your kids hired in that entity and that entity provides services to your painting business. And so in that family management business is a sole proprietorship. And under when you have a sole proprietorship, you don't have to run uh, payroll through, you don't have to pay payroll taxes to kids. So you can even avoid those payroll taxes there so that the kids are getting Gosh, I was tax not free aware up to 13,000 plus not you're not paying that payroll taxes. Fam family management company. I definitely put my, kid, put my kids yeah. to work. I didn't start paying them until they were old enough to get paid. <laughs> but that's definitely something yeah. that, that we all need to take advantage of. That's some significant tax savings right there. So, wow, that's, those are some really good tips. Something else, Daniel, is those retirement plans, when you can start offering, those are also really helpful when you're trying to attract ideal employees, ideal team players. And so mm. that's definitely needs to be on your radar when you start getting a number of employees, start providing some benefits, retirement benefits being one of those. Uh, so that can help you with your hiring there as well. Man, that's great. Mm -hmm. if, if we switch over, I know you guys all do also do some automation. And I was aware, I wasn't actually aware that it was you guys doing it. Tell us about what you're trying to do or what you're doing for contractors to automate and save them headache. So yeah, we, we help streamline and, and automate the sales process, their customer onboarding process and their production process. So we basically what, what, what we can do is sit down with them and help them plot out, okay, what's the tech stack you have? What kind of experience do you want your prospect or or your and your customer to have and we help them map that out and then we implement the technology to have that happen so for example take the sales process maybe uh you're using you have a you're doing estimates out of paint scout and someone signs up for a a free estimate you want a email series to go out maybe you want text messages to go out maybe you want a direct mail flyer to go out before you get to the job to do the estimate so we can help you implement all that technology so that you're doing a lot of quality touch points in their sales process. And then when they sign up, we can help you set up like automating a, a deposit invoice. If you take a 50% deposit for every job that you close, we could set it up so that it sends out the, the invoice automatically that, and it's enabled for an ACH e-transfer e payment and then have some sort of color capture process. So usually when folks sign up for residential repaint, you got to get their colors is the next thing. So having a structured way to, to capture their colors in an automated fashion and then putting those colors in your production software so that those are easily accessible by your production manager or in your team. And then review capture once the job is done, having an automated sequence to capture a Google review and then putting folks back into a customer reactivation campaign, which 
reactivates either through text message, direct mail. So help them put together the the different pieces of automation in their business, their different apps that they're using and help them streamline and automate that process for them in a holistic fashion. One of the things I love about automation is we make decisions today. We put a lot of thought into what we want that experience to be like, and then we automate it and we really don't have to think about it anymore. And I make a joke to my employees. Okay. <clears throat> I'll point at the, uh, Roomba robot vacuum. And I'll say, that's our most dependable employee. I'm, I'm making a joke about it, but that thing is automated, <laughs> right? It goes, it yeah. runs the rooms while the business is closed at night. And that's one of the things I love about automation is we can pre-think that. So we're not constantly having to retrain someone and make sure someone does something, make sure they do it right. And we can automate it. And if we do it right, it not only does it save us time, but it enhances the client experience. The automation done wrong to me makes the client feel like a number and that's gonna that's terrible even though it saves you time if it doesn't improve their experience then you shouldn't do it if you ask me um, but if I believe that we can do it in mm -hmm. a way that makes everybody's life better and so it's amazing the amount of contractors that I speak with that that don't even have a CRM if anything in a way they're using QuickBooks mm -hmm as their CRM. Some people are even doing their estimates in QuickBooks. And it's just, it's not the best way to do it. There are better ways to do things. And again, it's not rocket science. You just need, you probably need some help getting it set up. Then once you get it set up, you can run it. So really cool. So Daniel, before before we go here, what would be, if you're, let's say you've got a, a client or our listeners, we've got listeners that are doing less than half a million up to five, 10 million in revenue. But most, the, the lion's share of contractors are going to be probably in that 500K to 1.5 million range, somewhere in there currently. What would be the top, maybe three tips? Hey guys, here's places where I see that companies like yours are losing money, are losing time. Give it, give some attention to these three areas. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you're pricing correctly and make sure your gross profit is in line. So at least 50% or higher is what we recommend to shoot for. So that that would be the first place I would look is to make sure your gross profits, profit is higher. The next thing is cash flow. So if you're a residential, residential type contractor, you shouldn't be having any issues with cash flow. If you are, you definitely there's something going on there. It might, might be the first thing, which is the profitability. But if it's not the profitability, maybe you are profitable, but you're, you're still having cash flow issues. It might be you're not taking a deposit. You're not taking enough cash. Often recommend to take a deposit of at least 20%, but I'm usually recommending a 50% deposit. And that the reason why is because you want to, you have to pay your employees. You're going to have to pay for things uh, get the next customer. So you want to get some money down before you put someone on the schedule. There's obviously some limitations there if you're in California, but you want to have a schedule of payments that abides by the law. So maybe take as much as you can down, but then doing a scheduled payment on the start of the job. So that'd be the other thing is looking at cash flow. consider taking a deposit, make sure you have your basic vendor lines set up with Sherwin Williams. In, or Dunn Edwards, Benjamin Moore. So you can put things on accounts instead of spending cash or right on your credit card. Have those basic vendors set up so that cash flow is healthy because you can put that stuff on account and wait till you get paid from your customer until you pay off that those materials. So that's the second thing. So first thing, gross profit. Second thing, cash flow. Then, then the last thing would be your tax situation. So obviously you want to be tax compliant so you're not running into issues with the IRS. That should be hopefully as a no-brainer. It's just not worth it. Uh, 
there's ways you can get or get out of paying taxes in a, a legal way. So um, don't try to you know do it in an illegal way. It, it often when it does not work out, it's, it's pretty painful. So definitely make sure your taxes are taken care of. If you are compliant, then look at what can you proactively do to lower your taxes. And there's many things, but get somebody get with somebody who can help you with tax planning so you can put thousands of dollars back. Wow, those are great tips. So what what's the best way to if someone wants one of those free diagnostics or just a quick consultation or just to hire you guys to do their books, what's the best way to get in contact with you guys? Is it your website? Yes. Bookkeepingforpainters.com. There's a button at the top to to get started, schedule a consultation. It's a free consultation. We'll talk about what, whatever challenges you have, do a diagnostic review and see how we can help. Even if you don't sign up with us, we can definitely put you in the right, right direction. And also have a podcast called The Profitable Painter. If you want to get some more tips on running your painting business, some from a finance perspective, from a tax perspective, you can look up The Profitable Painter on any wow, podcast Wow, yeah, thank platform. you for sharing that. I know, a lot of, I know a lot of our listeners listen to podcasts quite a bit. So check that out as well, guys. Daniel, thank you so much for just sharing with us today. And I look forward to uh, some collaboration more in the future with you. Just thank you for bringing value to the community. And I hope our listeners can connect with you and you guys can both receive some value there. And you guys, contractors, reach out to Daniel. He's in. He's also in the Contractor Freedom Facebook group. If I don't know how, how often he lurks there, but you could probably tag him if you have a question. But you could, if you want some more specific help, definitely reach out to them at bookkeepingforpainters.com. And uh, until then, we'll talk to you guys soon. God bless you all. Hey, contractors, I want to invite you to connect. If you want to get connected with the Contractor Freedom community, simply point your browser to contractorfreedom.live. That's contractorfreedom.live. On there, you'll find the link to our Facebook private group, our page, our newsletter. You'll find a a link to our podcast. So I just want to invite you to, to come on over, join the community. I look forward to getting to know you more. Thanks for listening in today. Paul.